0: Well, I, uh, this has been a real uh, strange um, service in one sense. Uh, I'm gonna, I've sort of called an audible in that I'm going to take last night's message, shift it into here, so ignore half your bulletin. Um, but in, in the sort of humorous thing that the Lord does so frequently, the song we just sang is a perfect setup, which was not the song we were going to sing last night, and it was supposed to go with a different, I mean, anyway, you get it. Um, so here we are. Uh, talking about Christmas again for preachers it's always a difficulty Christmas and Easter because they 're such familiar themes and so do you just say the same thing over, which is probably good because i don 't remember what I said last week but um, but I as I sort of uh, thought about this Christmas Eve coming up, I thought about how familiar this story is to us, and how familiar the pieces of the story are to us you know a baby, a manger. Uh, Mary and Joseph, a tax census, um, no room at the inn, the town of Bethlehem, all these sort of things that uh, even people who aren't church people could probably recite on a, on a typical quiz. Uh, and yet we who know the Lord and who know this word that he's given to us, we recognize that there's no um, insignificant detail in all these pieces. There's something, the manger says something about Uh, the baby Mary and Joseph say something about the baby the tax census does Uh, everything does Uh, the shepherds uh, say something about the baby today I want to focus on one feature that doesn't always get a lot of attention and that is these angels that show up in the field so when you think of angels what do you uh, think of let me read to you a very familiar verse Luke chapter 2 verse 8 in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Now, for some of us, we hear that statement and we think of Charlie Brown's Christmas uh, and the school play that went on. And when you think of angels, what do you think of? You know, do you think of the chubby cherubs that kind of always get a lot of media attention Or maybe some people think of clumsy Clarence from It's a Wonderful Life. Um, uh, The guardian angel concept, is that even true? Um, Frankly, I think a lot of times when it comes right down to it, not what we say on paper, but there's a sense in which angels are in the same category as Santa. Uh, They're really not real. And we don't live as though they're real. But what's interesting is, The first thing that happens when this angel, a single angel of the Lord, appears in verse 9 of of Luke chapter 2. It says the glory of the Lord appeared with that angel, and it basically, in the midst of this dark field, turned on light. And as a result, what do we hear about the shepherds? The same thing we hear almost every single time an angel unveils itself. They were scared. And they weren't just scared. It says they were filled with great fear. And so what's the first words out of the angel's mouth so frequently? Do not fear. Uh, And so we have this uh, rather uh, uh, huge uh, drama going on with just the appearance of one angel. And then a couple verses later, verse 13, suddenly with that one angel, there was a multitude of angels. In other words, thousands and thousands of them. These angels, we should be thinking of them not as these chubby cherubs, but we should be thinking of them as this cosmic spiritual force that periodically suddenly shows up, just suddenly, out of nowhere, shows up in the Bible, shattering everything we think that is really real. It's really, a better picture would be for them to be seen in a painting as an angelic SWAT team. That's really much more what's going on here. In fact, if you want to get a sense of what's happening to the shepherds, I actually think there's a connection between what happened in this field to some unnamed shepherds and what Daniel himself said hundreds of years before in the book of Daniel, the prophecy. And it comes in Daniel chapter 7. Daniel has a vision. He's this Jewish prophet. Daniel 7 verse 9 says, I looked and up in the heavens I saw... Thrones were placed there, and then the Ancient of Days, which was the name for God, the Ancient of Days, took his seat. He sees this huge courtroom, and there's God on his throne. And then there's this description of God. His clothing was white as snow, the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. So there's this picture of this radiantly pure and and radiantly uh, wise, that's the, the sense of ancient of days, this majestic authority that's just uh, uh, flowing out of this courtroom. And of course, what is a, a courtroom to happen there? Well, there, there's judgments that are made. And it says, uh, Around this courtroom were thousands and thousands of angels. They served him. 10,000, time 10,000 stood before him. Do you get the sense that Daniel just loses count? There's just that many of them. And you, you almost get a sense that he doesn't know what he's more wowed by or overwhelmed by. The provision of God or these angels. It says the court sat in judgment and then the books were open. And then, uh, interestingly, in this same scene, two things happen afterwards. In verse 11, I looked, and then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking, the, uh, I noticed that beast, the beast was killed, and its body destroyed, and it was given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. And at this point, you're probably thinking, what in the world, where is he going with all of this? You know, what are all these beasts and demons? Just, you don't need to know all of that. I'm just bringing in a a side film for just a moment to show you that in this courtroom, what Daniel sees is not only this picture of this majestic authority uh, that demands respect. He, see, he foresees the future when all that represents evil will be destroyed. It's as though in seeing the courtroom, it's the beginning of the end of evil. And then all of this sets up for these two verses related to Christmas. I saw in the night visions and behold with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, all nations, all languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So, what's Daniel seeing? Daniel is in the presence of God in his courtroom, and a massive decision has just been made. God has crowned the Son of Man king over all kingdoms. And by crowning Him, by announcing His coronation, He has also announced the end of all evil, all the beasts that all that have dominion. And so here we are back in Luke chapter two, in this seemingly mild scene compared to that, uh, in which um, we hear these words, In uh, verse 10, after the angel says, don't be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the peoples, not just the Jews. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, there's a hint toward coronation right there, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Three things that we just sang about. He's a Savior, uh, meaning people need to be saved. (laughs) He is the Christ, meaning he's the the anointed one, he's the rescuer, uh, and he's finally the Lord, the same word that's used of God. He's the master, the the owner. And then in 2.14, this announcement that we also just sang about, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is what the angels were singing. This is what the shepherds heard. Now, don't think of Oh, what a beautiful choir. Hey, buddy, I, I wish I could sing like that. That's not what's going on here. I actually think it would be better to think of a, the, the, the horn that you hear that plays uh, every Saturday 1 p.m. in East Lansing, the tornado warning thing that they're testing the system. That's what we should think of. Uh, this, these angels were announcing something. It's like run for refuge. God has provided a refuge in the king, and if you don't get there, guess what? That's really the, that's the the message that's being bellowed out from this. And so why this scene, why this dramatic moment in the story of Jesus? Well, I think there are times in the Bible when the fog lifts and we get to see what's really real, what's really going on in this world. And I think that helps, it's meant to remind us, just like it reminded the shepherds, it's meant to protect us from a, what I call a puppy view of Christmas. You know, Jesus in the manger. Oh, isn't that cute? There's nothing cute about Christmas. It was never meant to be cute or sentimental or hallmarkish. A king has arrived. You better get your business in order. Yes, good news. There's a refuge at last. A savior. But don't miss the full story. Don't just get one note. Get both of those notes. That's the reason for a SWAT-like angelic army that also shows up in this field to these shepherds. So while the masses are playing around with blow-up Santas or Christmas office parties or the effect of inflation on retail sales, there's this grand drama of God that's going on behind the scenes year after year, day after day. And in this moment with these angels appearing to these shepherds in this field, we see one of the rare moments in the Bible when the curtain is pulled back and we see what's really real. Most of the time, what's really real isn't happening in those dramatic moments. Most of the time, God is doing his drama through very ordinary, explainable events that could easily be dismissed. I mean, after all, you're in Bethlehem. There's a whole bunch of people crowded around. What would you think if all of a sudden a bunch of shepherds come running through Bethlehem like they're looking for something? You might go, hmm, wonder what that's all about. Little did you know that something cosmic is going on in that ordinary little event. That's happening there. In fact, Hebrews 13 warns us, pay attention. You may be entertaining angels and have no idea. So I love what the Bible does. The Bible exposes this green screen. Uh, you know you know films, those of you kind of know, I hope know you know what I'm talking about, where you see an action flick, and then you actually see how they made it, and it's really just these, these impressive actors are on cables being lifted up, and there's a green screen behind them, and it's all pretend. That's really what's going on in our world. The things that scare us, they're really just a green ske- screen. screen. Uh, the things that cause us to go ooh and ah, they're really just a green screen. They are not really what's going on in the world. They're all fake. What's real is verse 14. Glory to God in the highest. And right now on earth, peace, shalom, wholeness, completeness to all of those with whom God is pleased or satisfied. And here's the good news. God has done something possible so that human sinners can become satisfied god can become satisfied with them god they can go from being sinners to people whom god is pleased with this is not a statement that so often happens on christmas messages of this is how you can please god and here's all the things you should do to please god that's not good news at all that's good oppression because we can't keep up with it this is not a statement Asking us to do something. It's a statement declaring what the Savior is going to do for us. And that is that instead of living up to something. This is a statement inviting us to bow down to someone. To recognize that this baby is actually a Savior and the only Savior. That he is the Christ and the only possible Christ. And that therefore he is your Master and your Lord. So that's what's going on here. This And, and when people are... Uh, when people are, uh, when they bow to, to Jesus as their Savior, as their Lord, as their Christ, this is what happens. God gives you a sixth sense. God gives you a sixth sense. He enables you to see what you normally couldn't see. He enables you to see behind the curtain. That's what faith is. Hebrews 11 says, faith is the ability to see the substance of things that are invisible. And when you are born again, you actually begin to see that more is going on in the world than what you can see with your physical eye, what you can hear with your ears, what you can smell, what you can taste, what you can touch. There really is this quiet revolution that has begun in Bethlehem. It's as though uh, in this fallen world, God started a new paradise in Bethlehem. It's like a butterfly, but it's wrapped in this cocoon right now. But if you have faith in Christ, you know what? You can see that the cocoon is thinning out. And you can see the new paradise that will never fall is about to break out. At this very moment, First Corinthians 15 says that baby born in Bethlehem is reigning over this world. And that's why when you come to know Christ, it's interesting. You begin to see things that are so obvious. And you can't understand why other people don't see it. Well, that's because they're spiritually dead. They, they don't have those that sixth sense. They don't realize that uh, everything is broken in this world. And in fact, even the systems of this world are broken. And, we, and yet we keep trying to fix them without God. And we never can and never will. Think of the best things that happened to you in uh, 2022. These are gifts from God. They're not things that happen from your effort alone. And you've learned, if you've walked with Jesus for any length of time, happiness in this world slips away when you begin worshiping the gifts rather than the giver of the gifts. And then think about the painful things that have happened in 2022. All these painful things are reminders that nothing is nailed down in this fallen world. Instead, everything in this fallen world is pointing to a more permanent world, uh, a world that's uncorrupted, a world that's better. As C.S. Lewis so wonderfully says, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we are made for another world. And Christmas began that. Christmas began that. I want to tell you a story about the song we're going to sing here in just a minute, but I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. I think it's such a good uh, connection to what we've been saying so far this morning. In in Luke chapter 2 and... uh, We'll let the, the kids uh, come in here, too, because we, we, we want them to hear this, and we also want them to, to be in on the candles here in just a moment. So. so, again, right after this angel says to the shepherds, don't be afraid, he gives the announcement, and he says, today for you in the city of David has been born a Savior a savior for all people. Uh, and the reason he's a savior for all people is because all people need saving. That's a fairly obvious conclusion. So I want to tell you the story um, about a guy who uh, became part of that. His name was Isaac Watts. Uh, he grew up in the 1600s. And um, he had a hard life. Uh, he had a hard life because, first of all, for a lot of his younger years, he didn't have a father around. His father was a preacher, and his father wasn't a legalized preacher in the Church of England. And so um, he was in jail a lot of the times for illegally preaching. And in the process, uh, strangely enough, Isaac Watts followed in his father's footsteps and also became a pastor. So at age 28, he inherits a church that used to be 170, a decent-sized church in that day. Uh, And it had shrunk down to 70, so it was going in the wrong direction and uh, Isaac Watts took that over. On top of that, Isaac was sick most of his life, Uh, and and in fact, he was so sick that lots of times he wouldn't even be able to function as a pastor. Uh, One of the sort of sad, hurtful, but humorous uh, moments with Isaac Watts came when um, he came close to getting married once. He wanted to get married, Uh, And this woman was interested in him, but she finally had to say, for some reason, this quote made it into uh, Isaac's writing, so it must have kind of scored a little bit. But she basically said, look, I love the man on the inside, but you look like a casket on the outside. Um, So he just was that sickly looking. So uh, he did not have what we would call an easy life, but yet he had two things going for him. One, at a young age, he gave his life, surrendered his life to Jesus Christ, and he began to operate out of that sixth sense. Because the other thing he had going for him is he was a gifted songwriter. And Isaac Watts took the 150, all 150 psalms, and he turned them into hymns, which, were, which was uncommon in those days. He was a radical and revolutionized the singing of Christians. And in the process of doing that, he wanted to show two things. He wanted the Psalms to be more accessible to show that they were, they were meant to be instructive as we sing them. But he also wanted people to see Jesus was in so many of the Psalms. And long before Bethlehem, Daniel 7 was predicted in Psalm 98, which gave to us joy to the world. So even as we light candles in just a moment, we are going to symbolize some of the very lines from joy to the world. Watt says this, the Lord is come, not he's coming, he is come. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns, present tense, right now. And he reigns with truth and grace doing what? Making the nations prove his righteousness. What's that all about? As the gospel has spread to all nations, people have been bowing their knees to Jesus and basically saying, Jesus is right. That song, that prediction from Daniel 7, that that prediction again in Psalm 98 and and then turned into a song here, they are proving the glories of his righteousness. So maybe you could hear the other line from that psalm, so receive your king, prepare him room, because guess what, heaven and nature have been singing about him along with the angels for a long time, and this is our opportunity to join in on that song. So would you stand? as we close our service and sing this song.